If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 23, um, and the sermon outline should be available on the church app. I think it is, uh, but you can follow, and uh, if it's not on there, you can take notes down. We encourage folks to write the Scriptures, write whatever the Lord is quickening to you, but I'd like to look at Psalm 23, and verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, I thank you for the beauty of your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the faith that comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. And today, Lord, we open up our hearts. I thank you that we do have ears that would hear what it is that you are saying to us. And I thank you that this word comes to quicken, to encourage, to comfort, Lord, to energize, to revive, to do whatever is necessary. Lord, we welcome your word today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Praise the Lord, family. I'm going to talk to you. My title is Highlights. Highlights. It's got nothing to do with hair color. All right, highlights. Hopefully by the end of this sermon, you'll understand why, we, why we're talking about highlights. But I want to just make this statement that mankind has, has made some magnificent ideas that have literally changed the course of history. For example, we can look at a, an Italian man. I have to speak about Italians. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Anybody ever heard of that name? And uh, he was a great man. And some say probably he was the smartest man to have ever lived. What can you expect? He's Italian. But uh, he gave us art. He gave us uh, the human anatomy. And he even drew stuff about, uh, you know, uh, airplanes 400 years before it actually happened. And when you think about Leonardo da Vinci, um, his, ach his achievements span so many different disciplines that oftentimes it's like, it's like, what is he? Is he an artist? What is he? Is he a scientist? Whatever it is. But he is the guy that gave us, for example, a beautiful painting. I, I try to paint, and I'm hoping that one day my, my, I, I will have a Mona Lisa. But he painted the Mona Lisa, and here's a picture of that. And then, of course, he also painted uh, the Last Supper, and we know that picture. And then, of course, he was uh, very much intrigued with airplanes and designed all kinds of airplanes that looked like bicycles uh, way before the Wright brothers actually took flight at Kitty Hawk. So there's Leonardo. And then we can talk about a guy. Uh, I never heard of this guy before, and maybe you haven't either, but his name is Ismail Al-Jazari from modern-day Turkey. And this guy is really probably, uh, people called him a genius. He wrote a book, uh, a book of mechanics uh, entitled A Compendium 
on the theory and useful practice of mechanical arts, which was groundbreaking. And even up to this moment in time, engineers have been using that book to actually design all the different components. What was he famous for? He was famous for the candle clock. Uh, he was famous for these mu musical robot bands. So he, in other words, he was already into robotics way back then. And he also was known for a hand-washing automation with a flush mechanism, all right? And then, of course, you've heard of Albert Einstein. Everybody heard of Albert Einstein, uh, German-born uh, German theor theoretical physicist? And, of course, he was known for the theory of relativity. Two pillars, the theory of relativity, and then also quantum mechanics. Uh, I remember going to visit Jazz one day in hospital, and he was recovering, sick and, and recovering, and for his recovery time, he was reading, I think, some quantum mechanics book. Anyways, and then also, not only that, but he was known as well for his uh, mass energy formula, E equals MC squared. So he was a great contributor to that, all right? And then there's a lady as well. There's ladies involved as well. Her name was Marie Curie. Uh, she was born in Poland, and she was the lady that uh, discovered polonium, not polony, but polonium, uh, which is a radioactive substance, as well as radium, another radioactive substance. And uh, not only that, but she uh, was the person that actually invented uh, the x-ray machine. So when you have an x-ray, think of a woman. It was a woman. And of course, all the pictures that come from x-rays, you probably had an x-ray. There you see that. That is what she was well known for. But I want to tell you today that I don't believe that any of them ever had a greater idea or a greater concept or a greater revelation like this shepherd boy who would sit on the hills of Jerusalem tending after the sheep when he penned the words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Of all the inventions of all the creativity, I don't think there's one like David. And it is a very, very powerful psalm, Psalm 23. When you think about its scope and you think about its reach, uh, it's been quoted during wars. It's been quoted in funerals. It's been quoted at weddings. It's been quoted in nursery schools as well. It is simple enough for a child to understand and respond to it. And it is also profound enough to engage even the most intellectual theological scholars. That's Psalm 23. But there's one verse in the psalm that I want to just focus in on, and that is verse 4. Yea, though I walk, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, Lord. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, I want to tell you, family, today that the valley of the shadow of death is an actual place in Israel. Uh, it wasn't just David penning some words and just thinking about uh, what can I call this valley, that in modern-day Israel, there is such a place, and maybe we got some pictures of that, of uh, the valley of the shadow of death. And how did this valley of the shadow of death start? Very simply, way back uh, many, many years ago on Mount Olives, there a stream began to flow, and as that stream began to flow, uh, it, it got into a river as it flows down to the Dead Sea. And what happened? And over time is that it began to cut into the rock. It cut and cut until 
today there are some valleys that are about 460 meters deep and about maybe a four to six meters narrow. So it is a very deep and a very narrow valley, all right? And because of that, it's very dangerous. And way back then, there were a lot of wild animals in there, bears and lions and, and hyenas and whatever, whatever, scorpions and stuff. But not only that, in that same deep and dark valley, there used to be many robbers that used to wait for people to pass by, and then they would attack them. And so, uh, the shepherds called it the the, called it the valley of the shadow of death. And very often what the shepherds would do is as their sheep began to graze, uh, finish grazing on one part, they would have to travel downwards to take it to the other part, and they would have to go through the valley of the shadow of death. And they would follow their sheep, and they would be with their sheep. But I want you to know today that David is not talking to you and I about feeding our sheep. I want you to know, rather, that he is talking about the reality. In reality, there will be some valleys that you and I will need to go through. All right? Psalm 34, verse 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him or her out of them all. That's a good scripture that maybe you should write down, all right? So the fact that you are saved doesn't mean that you won't have some dark valleys in your life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Anybody awake in this place this morning? You know what I'm talking about. Peter, the apostle Peter, puts it like this in 1 Peter 5 and verse 10. He says, but may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while, after you've been through your deep, dark valley, after you've had a couple of, you've encountered a couple of giants, after there's a couple of mountains that have stood your way, all right, that after you have suffered a while, perfect you, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. And I like the way that Peter mentions grace, and I want you to take notice of that, that he uses grace. And you know, a lot of people have twisted that word and used it as an excuse to back off from the things of God instead of using grace to go deeper and further in God. Can I get an amen? But Peter says that actually it takes the grace of God or God's grace to go through some of those dark valleys and those dark moments in your life. And God will use those valleys and those dark moments to do what? To perfect you, to establish you, to strengthen you, hallelujah, and then to settle you. Can I get an amen? And I want you to understand today, family, that the thing, though, to realize is that you cannot have a valley without there being a mountain, and that for every valley, God has a mountain for you. Lift your hands and say, for every valley, God has a mountain for me. Say it one more time, like as if you believe it. For every valley, God has a mountain for me. Even those of you in the conference center, one more time, for every one of my dark valleys, for every one of my dark valleys, God has a glorious mountaintop experience for me. 
Hallelujah. You say, Pastor, well, that's wonderful that you just randomly choose those words. And why would you say that for every valley, God has a mountain? Simply because Psalm 23 is situated between two mountains. Hallelujah. Both Psalm 24 and Psalm 22, 22 and 24, both of them amazingly speak of mountains. Can you say amen? When you look at Psalm 22, it speaks prophetically of Jesus' crucifixion, which took place on Calvary's mountain or Mount Moriah. And then when you look at Psalm 24, Psalm 24 speaks prophetically about Jesus' glorification, which is really about Mount Zion. So you have Psalm 22, which is a mountain, all right, Calvary's mountain. And then you have Psalm 24, which is the glorification of Christ, which is Mount Zion. And smack bang in between the, the, those two Psalms, you have Psalm 23, which is the valley of the shadow of death. And that's why I want to tell you that for every valley, God has a mountain for you. Would you lift your hands one more time and say, for every valley, God has a mountain for me. Look at somebody tell them, for every valley, God has a mountain for you. Hallelujah. That ought to encourage you. That ought to inspire you today. Can you say praise the Lord? Look at somebody else and tell them, for every valley, God has a mountain for you. The mountain is the place of victory. The mountain is the place where we overcome. The mountain is the place where we triumph through Christ Jesus. So for every valley, God has a mountain for me. Can you say praise the Lord? Can you say it better than that? All right. But then David says something else. He says it's the valley of the shadow of death. It's not just a valley. And we know that Psalm 22 is a mountain and Psalm 24 is a mountain. And that for every valley, God has a mountain for me. But also for every shadow, there is a light. In other words, it's impossible for there to be a shadow unless there is a light. Light has to, be, has to come from somewhere to be able to cast a shadow. So I want you to lift up your hands and say, for every valley, God has a mountain for me. For every valley, God has a mountain for me. And for every shadow, there is a light. Hallelujah. Jesus said these words in John 8, 12. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Hallelujah. And you've heard me say it over and over, and I want to say it over and over again, that light is always, 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 always greater than darkness. There might be a couple of shadows in your life right now, but I want, you to, I want you to know that with every shadow, there is a light, and Jesus is that light. Can I get an amen in this place? Hallelujah. And then as we look at Psalm 23, verse 4, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley. Yea, though I... In other words, it's inevitable. There, there, there's going to be some valleys there's going to be some trials. There's going to be some adversities. If you are serving God and going all out for God, let me tell you, the Satan and his cohorts aren't, aren't going to stand on the sideline encouraging you, telling you how excited they are. Hold back all disease. Hold back all lack. Hold back any challenges because this person, this man, man, he's really serving God. They're going to come all out for you. Can I get an amen? But that shouldn't uh, intimidate us. 
That shouldn't cause fear to come on the inside of you. Why? Because I know that for every valley, there's a mountain. And wherever there might be a shadow, God is shining his light through me and in me. Can you say amen? David says, uh, he says this. He says, well, actually, you know what? Not only that, but I'm going to not... Not only though I may walk, though I may walk, I'm going to walk through the valley. David says, even though there may be some valleys, I will walk through them. I will walk through them. In other words, God doesn't take us to the valley and then drop us there and leave us all there, abandoned, all lonely. We haven't come so far in our walk with God for him to leave us and forsake us. Which brings me to my next statement. God wants us to go through the valleys. Hallelujah. Some of you might be in some valleys right now. I want to tell you, that's not where you're meant to stay. You're going to go through the valley and up and out through the other side. It's the principle that we see throughout the Scriptures. That when God took uh, Israel out of Egypt and brought them through the wilderness, it's so, it's so what? It's so that they could get them to the land of Canaan, the land that flowed with milk and honey. Hallelujah. And David could say this because David himself had been through many valleys. He'd been through many dark places. When King Saul was hunting him and persecuting him, that was his valley of persecution. And then when everybody was lying about him and spreading rumors about him, that was his valley of lies. And then when he messed up and sinned with Bathsheba, that was his valley of weakness. So David knew what he was talking about. But David said, I was in the valley, but each and every time I came through the valley. Bump your neighbor and tell them you might be going through a valley but you're going to come through the valley. Because with every valley, there is a mountain, and with every shadow, there is a light. Hallelujah. I don't know who needs that, but somebody in this place needs that today. Hallelujah. And then David said, lastly, he said, God, I might go through, there, there, there might be a valley, there might be some challenging situations. Who has had challenging situations in 2020? Nobody in this place? Whether it was COVID-related or not, I don't know. But there's been some pretty challenging situations. But, but David said, you know what? I might go. There might be some valleys, but I'm going to go through the valleys. I don't know how I'm going to get to the other side. I don't have a formula. I don't have an equation. I, 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 I just know that I serve a supernatural, miracle-working God. I just know that if I can put my trust in His Word and in this God, that, I, that He can take me through that valley. And then he says, you're going to be with me no matter what may come my way. God, God is going to be, you are with me, Lord. I will fear no evil for you are with me. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Now to a shepherd boy, that was pretty important because they knew the significance of that. Shepherds would never leave their sheep As a matter of fact, it was regarded as a dishonor and an act of cowardice if they abandoned their sheep. And if their sheep found themselves in valleys, no matter how deep and how dark, the shepherds would be down there. Shepherds were taught to protect their sheep at all costs because it was regarded as a sacred honor. And that's the reason why one time David had to fight off a bear and a lion for the sake of an animal. 
You say, but David, it's just an animal. What on earth would you risk your life? Why would you put yourself in such a place of predicament, fighting off a bear and a lion for a sheep? Because it was about a sacred honor. And shepherds have the sacred honor of being entrusted with their sheep. And so David knew the weight of this. And if a shepherd never leaves a sheep, come on, family, how much more our heavenly shepherd, Jesus Christ. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. I don't know what it is that you might be going through, but if a natural shepherd has a sacred honor of looking after the sheep and fighting off any wild animal and protecting that animal so that it might cost him his life, how much more our heavenly shepherd, Jesus. Come on, for those of you who feel lonely and abandoned and rejected, don't let the enemy lie to you. That's the reason why David starts his psalm by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. This morning, you and I have absolute assurance that he will always be with us. Would you lift your hands and say, I have absolute assurance that my heavenly shepherd, Jesus Christ, will always, will always, will always be with me. I like what Isaiah said in Isaiah 43 and 2. He said, when you pass through the waters, I don't know if I can be there. I've got an AGM meeting at that time. At that No, he said, I'll be with you. When you pass through the waters, what? I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Why? Because he's with you. Ha! Because he's with you. Bump somebody and tell, or don't, don't bump anybody, sorry. But just look at somebody and tell them, my God is with you. He's with me, and he's with you, and he will never, ever, 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 ever forsake you. Hallelujah. Come on, why should we ever be afraid if the Lord is for me, with me, in me, around me? Hallelujah. It is far better, family, to be in a dark valley with Jesus than on a sunlit mountain without Him. Because after all, it's all about Jesus. Can you say amen? Come on, lift your hands this morning and say, with every valley, God has a mountain. That's my place of triumph. That's my place of victory. That's my place where I overcame because of the cross. And with every shadow, there is a light. And Jesus is my light. And light is always. And light is always. And light is always greater than darkness. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word that's come to us today. Oh! I pray that there would be an encouragement that comes. Let there be a divine impartation, God, that this is not intellect speaking to intellect, but spirit unto spirit. Today, 
Lord, those that are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I thank you right now, God, supernaturally, supernaturally, that there is an infusion of the God kind of faith. That right now there comes a rallying around, a comfort. That right now there is a strength that comes. That right now, God, there is a, a sustenance that comes. In the mighty name of Jesus, we cancel every assignment of the enemy. Lord, we know it's inevitable. We're going to go through some dark moments. There's going to be some challenging times. There is going to be adversity. There is going to be persecution. But I thank you today that with every valley, there's a mountain. And with every shadow, there is a light. And you are always, 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 always with us, for us, and in us. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. You see, David, and it's quite amazing when you look at David. Two people in the Old Testament Two people in the Old Testament that actually experienced what you and I experienced when we were born again. It's Abraham before the law and David during the law. They had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. That's why David could sit on, on the mountains of Jerusalem watching his sheep and just worshiping, just had a heart after God. He had cultivated a relationship with God where he could pen the words, the Lord is my shepherd. He was with me with the bear. He was with me with the lion. And that's why when Goliath came, it was no different. Because why? The same God that was with me in the bear, in the lion, is now the same God that I face this Goliath. Hallelujah. David knew him. There was a union between David and between the Lord, even though Jesus had not died yet and there was no blood that was spilled. Yet two people in the Old Testament that kind of had, if I could say it, the same relationship that you and I have. Without the law, without fulfilling the rituals, the rites of the law, they had a personal relationship. Abraham was just on the basis that he heard God, believed God, and simply responded. And that was just the act of faith. Obedience. I mean, if you think about Abraham being raised up in a foreign country, his dad a pagan worshiper, yet Abraham knew God, just simply responded by faith. And this morning in this place, you see, coming to Jesus is not about how many cartwheels can you do or how many cakes have you given to people and, you know, what good things have you done? Have you been a good person? How much money have you given to the poor? Yeah, we don't come to God through that basis. We come as Abraham came and as David came by faith. It has to do with the heart. Because faith has always got to do with the heart, never with the mind. People want to try and explain God intellectually. Man, you can get stuck there for 3,000 years, man, trying to explain God intellectually. It's impossible. How can you put an infinite God into a finite mind? We are finite beings in terms of our intellect capacity. And here's an infinite God. But you understand Him by faith, with the heart. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give those of you an opportunity here today. If you're away from God, 
I don't know, for whatever reason, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. In the Family Life Center, why are you saying that, Pastor? Because I want Psalm 23 to be your psalm. That you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. He's only your shepherd if you've confessed him, if there's been a faith encounter in your heart. And the thing that holds us back, of course, is sin. David sinned, but what was his response? He said, God, you know what? I've let you down. I failed you. And God forgave him. And God, if God can forgive David in the Old Testament when people were being swallowed up whole and the earth was opening up and people were falling in, all kinds of things happened. How much more you and I in this dispensation of grace where God can forgive you, can cleanse you. He said, but I, I, I can't remember every sin. Hey, God doesn't want us to remember every sin. He just wants us to repent of all sin, turn our back, and then just embrace Him by faith and receive this new life, what He did on the cross through His death, burial, and resurrection that can become a reality on the inside of you. I want you to close your eyes, and if that's you today, and I want the guys here to help me, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name, just as I am with all of my faults, all of my failures, and all of my sin. And I ask you for forgiveness. I repent, Lord, as I do. I turn my back on sin. And today, with my heart, I do believe. And with my mouth, I do confess that you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. You are the Lord who is my shepherd. And I shall not want. I receive eternal life and the forgiveness of all of my sins. And I'll never be the same from this day onwards I declare that with every valley you have a mountain for me and with every shadow there is a light shining brighter than the day I believe it I receive it in Jesus name amen and amen and amen praise the Lord hallelujah now whether it be in the conference center or here, if you prayed that prayer, can I, would you just raise your hand if you prayed that prayer? You're rededicating your life, whatever it is. Just keep that hand uplifted. We just want to be able to take care of you. If there's anybody in the, in the family here or in the conference center, all right, we want to just minister to you, pray for you. Everybody stand up this morning. Praise the Lord. Come on, lift your hands and say, with every valley, God has a mountain. With every shadow, there is a light. I want to thank you. You are the Lord, my shepherd. I shall not want. You will never leave me, never forsake me, never abandon me. You are with me, for me, and in me. I receive it. I believe it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Family, enjoy the rest of your day, all right? God bless you.